This episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast is brought to you in part by No Judges Needed BJJ Apparel and Lavender Lane CBD Products. You can use the promo code JJT for 20% off your first order at No Judges Needed and the code JJTimes20, all uppercase, last two items are numerical, for 20% off your first order of CBD products. Thank you very much for sticking with us. Enjoy the show. Guten Tag, everybody. Welcome in back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. Ich bin your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. And today we are joined by an incredibly special guest, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt coming by way of the Carlson Gracie School in London, uh, and most recently of all, the, king, the recently crowned king of British grappling, uh, as a Polaris Grand Prix champion, uh, Frederic Vosklune. Frederic, thank you very much for joining us and indulging me there. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just get things started. Um, you just came off of a an absolutely career-making uh, performance at Polaris. How are you feeling? Oh, yeah, pretty happy, obviously, uh, especially with the money now in my bank account. Uh, <laughs> life is a lot better. <laughs> I, I'd imagine as a pro grappler, there's always, like, you always win, but the, the worry isn't gone just because of the way things can go in this sport until the check clears. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. To be honest, to be honest, Polaris, I had zero doubts that they will uh, pay me to, uh, like, I think they're, like, pretty legit uh, organization. But, yeah, definitely with some shows, you'd be you'd be a bit uh, more scared. But Polaris, actually, I got to say, it's, like, definitely, like, really professional, at least from what I've seen, the most professional event in Jiu-Jitsu. Um, but uh, but but more, it's more it's more because um, you know like now I feel like I can call myself professional athlete you know because I actually made money off competing you know and not just uh, you know not just teaching or whatever so in my mind that was actually the winning that and now being able to live of that money you know just from uh, competing actually means means to me that I'm professional athlete you know. Because before, maybe you get like a grant or something, but you know nothing really. Yeah, at least um, yeah. I feel I feel very awkward right now because you're saying now you feel like you can call yourself a professional athlete. I once won a sub only silver medal at white belt, and I was ready to call myself a pro athlete right now. Straight straight to your Instagram endorsements. Where oh, where I was my, where like, are my, my sponsors at? I was like immediately after I was like I was thinking about getting uh, samurai tattoos and I was thinking of like quitting my job and get dropping out of school. I was like, this is it for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, when I was a, when I was a white person, I won my first competition. I also felt that way. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm the man. Like, I want. I want some random. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's funny how uh, as you start to 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 go up to belt ranks and as you compete a little bit and and and, and kind of get on some bigger shows, you realize how silly. You know, there's, it's not really yeah. silly because you know there's there's something to be proud about when you go out and compete. It's the reason why we 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 stress for our, our younger belts to go out and compete because it's a different thing when you're competing. You're learning different skill sets and you're learning how to how to how to work in a in a in an environment where you can't just tap and move on. Yeah, so you definitely. have to, you have to go to win, but 
it's so funny to see some of these guys because I ref local tournaments and shit yeah. all the time, and I can remember being that guy too. But you see yeah, these guys, yeah. and they're like, "Bro, like we just won like the intermediate division, <laughs> like at the, at the local high school. Like it's it's cool, but like we don't have they to." Uh, their sponsorship, uh, yeah. Exactly, exactly. We don't we don't need to start calling metrics for your sponsorship deal yet, brother. Like you got a little ways to go still. But even, so, even uh, uh even if you're like on this on like a bigger show, you know, you have like people that's like it's their first like big event or something. Right. And like, you know, like I can remember when I was first time on like a show, I was like, man amazing you know and then looking back it's like okay you're like on the undercut no one's really like <laughs> right let's let's it's talk like, a little bit about screw you by the way because i've been on the undercard for some pretty big shows too so i, I, I myself <laughs> to be a, on that level you, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, i'm not making i'm not making friends here <laughs> no, no i'm joking you're good let's talk a little bit about that mental mindset and and the skills that you learn from competing in order to get level-headed enough to be able to be able to, to stay, okay, cool, like, I deserve to be here. Because one of the biggest things I talk about as a competitor and in, 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 in being able to compete on a bigger stage is, is to realize that you're not just there as a spectator. Like, you're not just like the little special kid that they said, oh, good thing. Thanks, Frederick. You know, go ahead and give it, give it, your, give it your best and see what happens. But there has to be an actual mindset that leads you to believe to say to yourself, you know what? Like, I don't, I'm not just a guy they let slip in. Like I'm here to win this thing. I don't care who they have against me. Like, tell me about how that plays into you and how you got to that position. So yeah, actually, I think actually, um, pretty good question actually. So, um, yeah, because I was, yeah, always, uh, training in Germany. Right. So back then I didn't have any access to like high level competitions, you know, so until, until I got my black belt, basically, I never, at least not no gi with gi, I did, I did like, I fought like Dominic Bell, like at London Open or something. So with gi, I had like some experience on like higher level competition when I was a brown belt, but no gi, I never competed against anyone like really good until I got my black belt. So for the first, like six months as a black belt yeah you know it was just for me you know seeing like what is you know the the level you know where i need to be you know so i fought uh yeah some really high level guys and yeah i beat some and then yeah i lost some you know mostly i think the only person that really like yeah beat me like on points you know with like was the attractor but otherwise you know all the high level world class guy i thought uh, i thought was always you know like an advantage maybe i lost or, or i won you know so um those six months of competing as black belt you know and realizing that i'm actually right up there you know with every with every high level guy that actually gave me the confidence um yeah to really feel like yeah i'm the man and i can i can beat everyone you know and then when they had like the original Polaris Grand Prix so, uh, with the um, yeah, Kenan Duarte, Nicky Rod, uh, Patrick Gaudio, um, yeah, and other, other big names. So I was preparing four months from the yeah, beginning of the year until it would have been in April. I was preparing for that uh, Grand Prix. And in that time, I went, yeah, I went out of my way to find like special training, you know. Uh, and trained with like I went to uh, I went to Belarus to train with like 
Olympic uh, medalist in wrestling, you know, and stuff like that. So preparing for this Grand Prix and like really believing that I can win it, you know, really, really believing that, okay, I'm going to go, then I'm going to, I'm going to beat Kainan Duarte, you know, really believing it. Then when they announced that it's UK, UK Grand Prix, yeah, I had no doubt in my mind um, that, yeah, that <laughs> I'm the guy uh, to win it, you know. So, uh, yeah, if that answers your question. To no, I, I forgot your question. To be no, you're good. I, I think... I think what happens a lot of times to kind of to kind of piggyback on what I said is that you know as as grapplers you know we we grow up looking at stars you know in any yeah. particular instance you know you grow up looking at people and you say to yourself wow that guy's so amazing that guy's like my hero that guy's that guy's you know superhuman yeah. and, and we make ourselves believe that for some reason like there's no way that we'd yeah. ever be able to be on that level and then when you go yeah. out there and you compete with him and you hang you yeah. can start to tell yourself, wow, like that dude's just like me. You're like that dude. Did you hang yeah. out with him afterwards and you talk to him? It's like, bro, that's yeah. just some dude. Yeah. And like, you know, because he's some dude, like in that, like in the Predator, the movie, just to quote one of your, one of your, your, your fellow people, Mr. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> you know, Austrian, you, Austrian, you Austrian. Oh, come on, you know, yeah, I'm a stupid <laughs> American. It's all the same shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm only joking. But yeah, you know, <laughs> if it can bleed, it can die. So if if you if you humanize something and realize you're 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 allowed to yeah. be there, and all of a sudden you're you're capable of competing on that level. Yeah, definitely. Like for example, specifically, um, one kind of big moment for me was um, was so when I when I uh, did Nogi Euros and I beat Thiago Sa by submission, and because when I did Nogi Euros as a purple belt, I remember Thiago Sa won as a black belt, you know, I think he won my division as a black belt. So when I was a purple belt, right, I was looking at, I was looking at, okay, who's, who are the guys winning my divisions as a black belt, right? And then, uh, yeah, a couple of years later, I'm there fighting the guy, you know, and then before the match, I was like, because I knew that he was like super good, you know, right. so before the match, I was like, really like, okay, that's like, I know, I know I can beat him, you know, I just need to really perform to my, to my level. Um, yeah, that I know I can, I can, yeah, how I can fight in the gym, you know, and just need to be able to perform like that against him. Because before that, I did Nogi Pan Ams, was my first competition as a black belt. There, I fought, I fought some, I fought, yeah, I fought Tractor, I fought Devante Johnson, uh, so like high level guys. And there was like, I really was like mentally wasn't, you know, like prepared, you know, really, you know, so. After that tournament, after that experience, went to the next one, and then fighting there, um, that was a big step for me. And then once I, yeah, when I got the victory, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, actually, you know, managed to, yeah, beat the guy that won my division as a black belt years ago, you know? Yeah. Well, yes. I, I, I think that's an interesting point to sort of uh, take things back a little bit. And I, I'm really curious as to how you found your way to jujitsu and and when exactly because i remember you you said in an an interview i think it was in the lead up to polaris that your your background was that in in your in your native country the game was a lot different it wasn't as developed jujitsu was a lot more spread out i think you talked about dealing mainly with purple and blue belts in your yeah. in your early days so just to kind of describe how you found jujitsu and what that early did before you uh started training at carlson's like yeah. what it was like so um so yeah i started jiu-jitsu um when i was 16. i think i just yeah like 
eight, uh, eight years ago exactly. Um, yeah, and back then there were like only like a handful of jiu-jitsu gyms uh, around, right? So I was training with like two purple belts and uh, was training there until I got my blue belt. And at that point, yeah, like the white belt, I did like, I did like two competitions, like, I don't know, like the smallest of the smallest, you know? And then uh, I did like, yeah, I got my blue belt and then I actually switched gyms. And uh, because, yeah, I was kind of outgrown, you know, that place. So I switched gyms and was training with, uh, yeah, some guys that I still train with to this day in Germany. And they were actually like pretty good guys, you know, in Nogi, you know, because, um, Nogi is, yeah, or at least was far more spread than uh, than gi grappling in Germany. So, so they were actually like, I think, on like a pretty high level compared to other Nogi people. You know, where gi where the gi level was okay, fairly low if you would compare it with like other European gyms. You know, yeah. Um, but the Nogi training was actually like, I think we had like a pretty high level training in Nogi. So that like level of training partners until like purple belt never really was an issue you know so um until purple belt was yeah really good and then yeah when i got my purple belt I actually um i went training yeah at carson gracie london where i train now I went uh, for the first time uh before before i did no euros back then so i was training there for one month uh kind of yeah because of my best friend he moved uh moved there so I could just stay with him and went trained there for one uh, more, uh, one month and then I, I visited like yeah a couple of times uh, over the next over the next 12 months and then uh, yeah they offered me yeah to come there train full time and then um, yeah that's how I ended up there and then at that point yeah training in the UK there were just so much more possibilities in terms of you know super fights or tournaments in general you know you have like yeah, whatever you have London Open, it's just like a, you know, it's just a train a train ride away. Where London Open, when you're from Germany, it's going to be 400, 400 euros, you know, to pay or whatever. So yeah, so uh, yeah, on, and then the, all the super fight shows, you know, Grapple Fest and Polaris, obviously, uh, and Battle Grapple, where I fought, uh, you know, just yeah, so many, you know that um, then I could really start. Before that, I was also I had like some some good victories, you know, in in Europe, but nothing on like a bigger stage. So even you get a good victory when you fought, you know, I fight somebody at a Naga tournament that is really good, you know, like a, a Miha Pehavek, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I fought him at a Naga tournament. I beat him my, with a heel hook, so pretty good back then. But nobody sees it, you know, like the Naga tournament. Like the only way you see it if you watch my. I mean, you get you get a cool sword sometimes. Like that's gotta feel good. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, that was my first belt. Like, I think I was more. I think I was more happy with that than about the Polaris belt. <laughs> <laughs> well, they 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 make it a they make it very they, they make it feel good to win that. But yeah, uh, yeah. just taking it back uh, briefly, what I I was yeah. really interested in just because. Uh, yeah. in areas Kevin, man, like... give, me a, give me one second, buddy. I gotta go find out what my dog's barking about. It's making me crazy. They, uh, no, no up. worries. Man. I'm sorry. Well, give me, give me one second. Let me go see if we'll the, hold down the, the house isn't burning down. Keep, keep going. Yeah, we'll hold down the fort. Um, sorry, we play it fast and loose here on yeah. the Jiu Jitsu Times podcast, yeah, yeah. and we are very dog friendly. But um, 
So in an area like yours where jujitsu, yeah. like for me personally, I grew up in an area, I didn't start jujitsu until I was like 19. Uh, yeah. So like four, almost going on five years ago, I, there was, I was surrounded by a lot of densely populated big schools. So I had a lot yeah. of options. There was Henzo schools. There was 10th planet schools. There was a lot in an area like yours. How does a 16 year old Freddie, uh, a find jujitsu and be like, what drove you to, to give uh, a shot? So actually a funny thing. So I found jujitsu playing UFC undisputed free. <laughs> on my <first> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay yeah. Keep, keep going <laughs> wait 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 just so because i want kevin to hear this could you okay so kev i just asked freddie how he got into jujitsu freddie you take it from there <laughs> yeah so i first my first like i've never heard of brazilian jiu-jitsu ever until i played ufc undisputed free and <laughs> and i just found that yeah, submitting somebody from the guard is just like the coolest thing ever, you know? Like, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, exactly. So after <laughs> that, I played the game for like two months, you know? I played the game two months trying to figure out like some moves. <laughs> <laughs> That's trying, uh... to, trying to know what an armbar is or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that is... Uh... That's slightly disappointing. I, I would I would imagine that you 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 learned your art through uh, through some kind of like Germanic uh, experience into your into your old uh, into your old like uh, Nordic roots and oh, Kevin, decided to be Kevin, a warrior. Shut up! You <laughs> shut up! That's the best. That, that is the best jujitsu origin story I think I've ever heard in my life. But look look look! It was more like back then. You know, I was just like you know like not playing video games and then. Through jujitsu, I channeled my inner Viking powers. You know, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> became man. the guy today. <laughs> that's cool, man. Oh my god! So you're you're playing UFC Undisputed. Like, were you into sports as, as a kid, or were you just because you're a naturally big guy? I was wondering. Yeah, no, no, actually, like, uh, like I mean, literally, like, I mean, I was like the least athletic kid ever. You know, I sucked at every sport. <laughs> um like and then and then i never wanted to do any sport because i sucked at it so um basically until until yeah until i did jiu-jitsu i did like some i did like as like judo as like a, i don't know you know 10 year old but like i always knew i always knew i wanted to do martial art but my mom never really uh wanted me to do any so yeah when i was 16 and i found jiu-jitsu i was like okay there's no striking. It's just like grappling. It's like judo. I did judo before. Come on, you can, you can let me do it. Um, so yeah, and then and then literally I did jujitsu first class. And actually, I almost happened to, happened to, <laughs> I almost happened to do the traditional jujitsu class. It was the same <laughs> so I almost and then I saw a guy with a Brazilian jitsu shirt, and I was like, okay, ah, I need to go there. Because <laughs> it was like going on like next next to each other. And then after the first class. And I was, I was like, I was pretty fat, like, like yeah, really fat. Um, so after the first class, so I was like, the most exercise I've ever done in my life. <laughs> but yeah, I loved it. Like after the first class, I was like, okay, never gonna stop again. I'm gonna become world champion. That's it. And then uh, yeah, never looked back really. <laughs> I just gotta, I, I just gotta imagine you going up to this guy with the shirt, and you're going, "Oh, BJJ from the video game." 
Did you also <laughs> play UFC? Show him the, show him no, the no, video no, game cartridge. Can you teach me I, to do this? <laughs> I didn't want to give. I didn't want to give away that I knew some moves, you know. So I didn't tell anyone, you know. Oh my god! I've I've heard of guys going into class after like watching technique videos, never after having played UFC Undisputed Three. <laughs> That is awesome, man. So, uh, how, now that you've been training, how long? How many years have you been training in London? Um, so full time, two years, and the first time, yeah, like three years. So, yeah, let's say three years. Is that where you got your black belt? Yes, a year ago. A year ago, pretty much. Oh, congratulations, man! Yeah, yeah. Did you did you find your? Um your your competitive uh abilities and your and your and your your jujitsu skills overall improve as you moved to train with more talented competitors and more talented teammates yeah also just to be honest more like more the freak like the amount of training and you know because then i could train twice a day rather than six times a week you know so and just the amount of different training partners where like i feel like like i feel like I, you don't really need like yeah the best training partners in the world to get really good you know um but more about yeah just the variety of training partners because yeah i could even you know all the other gyms that are around you know if you go to an open mat and then an hour gym you have like 20 black belts you know or whatever so um just a variety of different styles and yeah, so I think that really improved, uh, you know, just because in my gym, you know, I would never encounter somebody that plays like De La Riva guard or reverse De La Riva guard. So if I would go competing against somebody and he puts me in that, like somebody really good and puts me in De La Riva guard, then I'm like, okay, I never, yeah, I never be, really been in that situation a lot. So now, you know, yeah, basically you get put in all, all situations, you know, so and then after, after a year of that, then you're comfortable everywhere, you know. Yeah, I, I think about that a lot too because you know when when you when you train at a particular gym, this is where I kind of talk about when I talk about the importance of cross training and why I can't understand how some gyms don't allow cross training. I just it just kind of like makes it a little actually, bit nutty. The funny thing is uh, that my gym actually was oh, yeah. well known for not letting anybody cross train. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they uh, changed the uh, yeah that policy. <laughs> yeah. I, I think about it in, in, in the regards of what's funny. I think about it in the regards of what you said about getting different looks. You know, because when – and jiu-jitsu is a little bit different. Like, I, I guys tend to branch off and kind of kind of go about their own little ways. But, you know, when you train in a particular gym and you're, and you're head instructor, normally everybody that trained in youth you is training under the head instructor in some accord. So – their philosophy and their techniques are generally going to be in accordance to what that yeah. particular professor yeah. likes to teach. So now, you know, you don't do a whole lot of, they don't do, say they don't do a lot of spider guard for, for an example, like you don't do a lot of spider guard at your gym. So rather than, uh, rather than, you know, the, 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 when you go now and compete against someone who may not be as good at jujitsu, but because they yeah. train a lot of spider guard, like you yeah. don't, you're not prepared to deal with that well, look, so the best the best example is leg locks right right like you have somebody with amazing jitsu and he fights a blue belt you know that has a good heel lock entry and it's over right like um i think that's the best example for that 
Um, but yeah, um, especially, um, you know, I'm really big at trying to be as well-rounded as possible, you know. I really try to, you know, be, it doesn't matter where, even I always try to, you know, impose my game, but in general, you know, I never want to get into a position where I'm not feeling I'm better than the other person, you know. So, yeah, especially, yeah, you know, especially uh, then when you, like in Germany, we're always trying to, you know, improve on our spider guard or whatever. But if you never really feel somebody with a good spider guard, you know, right. how are you going to, how are you going to learn it, you know? Or yeah. if you never really felt somebody with a good Berimbolo, just from watching Hafa Mendes, you, you know, you're not really going to get like the small details, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, I've, then, yeah. As an instructor, yeah. I have, uh, I have grown past that because there was a certain point in my life where I would start to say like, well, you know, spider guard just isn't really effective for me or, you know, leg locks. But if you're not yeah. teaching leg locks now, you're just not teaching jujitsu anymore. As far as I was heard, yeah. if you're not teaching yeah. leg locks, like you're just yeah. silly because you're, you're, you're like, your you're wasting your time. It's a part of the game. It's there. We have to know them, but you know, insert any like deep half guard or something like that, for example, yeah. like, you know, where deep half guard may not work for me. Right. I in turn at least have to be familiar with deep yeah. half guard. If I'm going to go against someone that runs deep half guard so I can understand their tendencies and at least somewhat of what could happen from those positions. And, you know, just because I'm not good at it, doesn't mean that some other guy in the gym yeah, exactly. won't turn it into their, into their, I'm very good at deep half guard, by the way, but that's, that's, <laughs> I don't know where that popped <laughs> in my head. But. Best God. Best God. <laughs> yeah. Really the best God. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, um, for example, uh, yeah, like, Let's say because yeah, I'm like I, I play half guard, deep half guard, you know, or like half butterfly guard, you know, that's about it when it comes to playing guard. But even if if I have to play Dalariva, I have one good move. I have one good move from there, you know, that I can do that I can do on or actually maybe two, you know. But right. still, you know, even if I'd fight I don't know, the best, you know, Bushesha, you know, I still I have I have one or two moves, you know, even from De La Riva guard, where I'm like, okay, I can go for that, you know. So, um, or, uh, yeah, even from close guard, you know, I never play close guard, but at least I'm going to have a strategy for that if I have to do it, if I end up there. You know, if something happens. Something, or at least I have something from there where I can get to my good position, you know, where I think uh, a lot of times you can, you can put, like, for example, I always you always pass to the um to the right side already that for so many people of their game you know when they can't stop you from passing to their weak side so um even doesn't matter who i always try it doesn't matter what if somebody passes to my left side even though all my attacks are mainly from my right side but for example tiago sa he passed my half got on left side and i ended up tapping him you know what i mean like yeah. even though my game is very limited on that side but still i've i've I have one good move from there, you know. So, uh, yeah, I'm very, I had very, a, very. I have bad. a, re- I have a. I'm getting a really solid like X pass, just like from in in gi, because that's primarily what I play. And yeah. I'm, I'm I'm doing it. I'm hitting it a lot in practice. But the even the thought of trying it on my right side just yeah. sent that just it gripped my heart. Yeah. Like, oh no, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You, you have to think about like I I pass to both sides, but. You know, a lot of times, like I'll run my over under pass, and I'm usually always going to the left side. But 
if I want to pass to the right side, Marcelo Garcia was famous for saying this. Like, I don't have to run the same exact pass to the opposite side. Yeah, I just yeah, have to have right. an idea of how to get there I when he reacts that. to that way. Marcelo, Marcelo Garcia said that famously about his guillotine. He's like, yeah. they were like, do you ever learn how? To, do you ever learn how to do the guillotine? with your left arm and he's like no i don't do that because if i go to the left arm i do something else you know it's just i'm just not yeah. powerful in there it's just don, don danaher's the same way so like, yeah, i do it i do my guillotine with my right arm real hard but i can't finish it that way so when i go to the opposite side i run the army in guillotine or vice versa you know yeah 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 like you can you can actually like in in my second match you can actually you can actually see like um like because i was always passing to the right side but in my second pet, uh, match i actually did one of the passes I do to the left side, you know, I don't, I didn't get points for it because I couldn't hold the, hold the side control long enough. But you know, I got past the legs and was like, uh, was just a bit slippery and I lost yeah. it. But you know, so even though all my main passing is just going right, but then if somebody gives me that opening, you know, because yeah. I want to defend their right side, I go, I go right through, you know. So, but takes 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 a lot of time and effort. Like you're not gonna, like I think. Especially, I think I never really. I mean, I had like good success, like in my area, but I never had like massive success as like a blue belt, you know. Because as a blue belt, it's just better to just you know do the one thing, you know, that you do for the last, you know, two three years, you know, from white belt to blue belt. Like you have a good spider guard and you do triangles, you know, and that's it. Like that's the way to win a blue belt. But yeah, if you get to higher level, like you really need to invest time into become well-rounded, I think. Um, but yeah, you're not gonna if you if you can play, yeah. Because as a blue belt, I was trying like everything, like literally everything. Like I was trying trying to do berimbolos. I was trying to do you know um, reverse Delariva, all that kind of stuff. And then by the time I, like when I was a purple belt, I was like, okay. Not my thing. I stick to the half guard, but at least you know I tried everything to know what was for me or was not uh, what was not for me. But then, but then I had a competition maybe where I went in and you know played the Riva because that was what uh, all I was doing for the last two months, you know. And then okay, I lose, you know, because I make a mistake because I'm not really doing it for that long. And then yeah, once I yeah, then okay. Still, a good learning experience, you know. Where if I just go in there with my A game every single time, then how are you gonna um, how are you gonna really uh, improve your overall jiu-jitsu, I think. Because, like deep half guard, for example. I mean, I never do it in training. Like, I mean, rarely. For me, doing deep half guard in training, I mean, because I'm so good at it. Like, I don't even need to do it anymore. You know, I rather spend my time yeah. trying something else. But I've done it for. I've done it so much. Like, if I have to compete, I can do it. You know, I don't even need to think about it. So, I rather just so. And that level I reached, maybe like let's say two years ago, I reached that level with my uh, deep half guard. So from that point on, I really focused on doing other things. You know, because uh, if I would have just kept playing deep half guard, I think I would have just stayed on that level. You know, and sure, I could have, because yeah, with my deep half guard back then. I would score on everyone, you know, like literally, like I like everyone, you know. It doesn't matter with with who I was in training. Doesn't matter if it's a world champion or something, you know. The half guard works on everyone, so I maybe still would have, uh, you know, won a lot of stuff with it, you know, because. But 
you know, now I can, now I have my deep half guard and I have everything else too, you know, and now I feel really confident. Yeah, it's it's important to remember that too, and I say that a lot in training because again, like I I'm like you, I run deep half guard a lot, and like I could you know yeah. I could sweep every blue belt in the room twenty yeah. times, you know, not all the time, you know, there's some studs yeah, out yeah, there yeah, yeah, that I, are you know, and then yeah. they know your game and all those other stuff like that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, what am I learning? Yeah. What am I developing? How am I getting better by constantly going to my go to moves? And I think one of the things that that best represents that is like when you move up in the bell ranks, you talked a lot about like trying everything and realizing things just aren't for you. But I think that, you know, as you start to grow in the belt ranks, you start to realize, particularly Brown belt was where I really felt like it started to happen. You start to see that, you know, ideas and techniques that before you might've said, well, you know, my body just doesn't work here this way, or, you know, this just isn't for me. You start to recognize, well, the reason why it wasn't for me is because the timing was a little bit off, or maybe I was going through it yeah. from a wrong angle. So you kind of get a more introspective and he's like, I've been finishing. I never used to finish triangles. Now I finish a lot more triangles because I figured out different ways. And jujitsu is yeah, fun. Yeah. You, you, you learn to yeah. do shit like that. Jiu-jitsu. Hey, son. Mom says you barely touched your dinner. Sorry, Dad. I'm just torn on something. Tell me about it. So, Jimmy is throwing a big party on Saturday, but that's when the big leg lock seminar is. That's quite the pickle. Yeah! If only there was a way to party and do heel hooks! Why can't I ever do both? Well, now you can! Holy pretzel! Wow! Who are you? I am Asai Bot, here to spread the word of the newest grappling party craze! Stay away from us, please! This August, the people behind Subspectrum are bringing you BJJ Woodstock, the world's first jujitsu music festival! Awesome! I'm calling the police! They will have live performances, open mats, seminars, and tournaments to join! Oh, I think I'm gonna faint! Plus title matches featuring professionals like Jake Watson and William Tackett! I love William Tackett! Tickets are going fast, so sign up now using the link below or go to www.bjjwoodstock.com! I will! Thanks, Acai Bot. Be well, tiny flesh creature. Dad, wake up. We gotta go buy tickets. Right after packing, son. We need to move so he can't find us again. BJJ Woodstock. The biggest party in grappling hits Des Moines, Iowa on August 21st to the 23rd. I think that's a really good question that I would want to have for both of you as said shitty blue belt that both of you could sweep 20 times with no, <laughs> no problem. I think a lot of people at every stage end up running into, and like, I think the biggest thing possibly more so than just getting discouraged from how hard jujitsu is, is the idea that you're not moving forward. Like the idea of, hitting a plateau and you're not really sure what's going to get you to that next level so like starting starting with with you kev uh, when you hit those plateaus like what was like what was it like for you when you started to feel like did you ever feel your game start to stall up or was it always like well I'll, I'll tell you this like the plateaus don't ever stop like even as a black belt like I hit areas where I just feel like, ah, man, I'm just, you know, malaise about this. I'm not getting any better. I'm not showing any significant pr- improvements. I'm not feeling like I'm, like I'm, 
an all-star today for whatever reason. And, you know, that's just part of the game. And the reason being is because you don't learn jujitsu in a day-to-day process or a week-to-week process. You learn jujitsu and, like, you look at yourself from six months from now and you say to yourself, okay, cool, wow, like, look at myself six months ago and I'm not much better of a grappler than I was before. And in particular, in, in more specific rationale, the reason why so many black belts quit or so many blue belts quit when they get their blue belt is because it's the first time in their lives where they really experience that plateau. Cause when you're a white belt, it's all up, baby. <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's no plateau. Everything, your life sucks. So everything, every day is an improvement because it's like, it's, shit. Did I do a little bit better than I did yesterday? Awesome. I'm going to keep coming back because you know, yeah, it didn't get tapped. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you're always supposed to get your ass kicked, so you don't know what what a plateau is. You don't know what being horrible is. So when you get your blue belt, there's always going to be that little bit of time where you're like, wow, like, cool, sweet. I'm so excited I got my blue belt, but, man, I just don't feel like I'm getting any better. I don't understand why this isn't happening. And if you stick through that, eventually you're going to realize that it's not just a plateau. It's just the the degree of the improvement, the, you know, the steepness or the – I can't think of the word, but the, the slope – of the improvement is just very low as the opposed angle. to what you, the angle of the improvement is very low as opposed to what what you think it is. But you know, plateaus happen, baby. Everybody goes through plateaus. Like even exactly, I'm sure Frederick, you still have moments where you just feel like, well, shit, man. Maybe you don't. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but, right? No, definitely. I think um, the most important thing is just to try to learn new new skills. You know, so. If you feel like you're plateauing, like I, I always tell the people, like look at something and just for the next two months, that's going to be your thing, you know. So let's say you feel like you're stagnating, you know, then okay, now I'm just going to, I play guard normally. Okay, let's say you're blue belt, right? Because obviously for me, it's going to be like much finer details. But if you're blue belt, you know, just okay, normally you play guard. Okay, now no playing guard anymore. You're just gonna try to knee slide pass, or you're just gonna try to over under pass, and it's gonna suck. It's gonna suck for a while, you know. And maybe it's not even. Maybe you even realize after a while, okay, I really suck at it. But then you just need to. Then you know, and then you just need to find something else, you know. And then it's like it's like you. It's like you're in school and you learn uh, math or something, you know. You're not. You know, you learn it bit by bit, you know, and then after a while, you know, everything, okay, in my case, still nothing. Yeah, but, no, uh, you, I don't think any of us here can count, so <laughs> you're in good company. <laughs> but, um, you know, in general, like, it's like, takes time, you know, to find all the puzzle pieces, and then, you know, you get closer and closer to getting the whole picture, and yeah, I think that's just, I always tell that people, but most people, they won't do it, because it's, it's again, it's not... When, especially when you know that okay, I can just I can just heal up that guy, or I can just right. if I just go for his ankle, like I'm gonna tap him. When he, I know, let's say, I know, yeah, he's playing guard, and normally I can just you can sit back and you can just like take his foot, but no, 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 <laughs> you gotta go, you gotta go through that. There's because you're not gonna be able to do that every time to everybody. There's gonna be guys out exactly. there that you're not gonna be able to heal up. There's just this. There's this dark voice in the back of your head that's just 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 wrist lock the white belt. It's okay. You, no one's gonna know. <laughs> You know, I always say this too. Like, I the only thing I hate more than a white belt is a blue belt, and I don't really hate white belts because nothing. <laughs> the only thing I hate about white belts is they hurt me because they're spazzy and they don't really know what's going on. But you know, white belts, you know, at least they understand that they don't know anything. 
Like they, you know, they're they're yeah. everything for them is not a, every yeah, not all, but exactly. The the problem with the blue belt is, is now because you've got that colored belt, you think you know a few things. And when you really don't, and the, the biggest yeah. thing that, you know, when blue belts come up to me and they ask me spe specific questions and they're like, hey, what do you think I could do this about this, this, and this? I look at them and I say like, well, you know, like, honestly, like everything you're doing is horrible. You know, <laughs> like, you know, like, you know I mean, I can help so you. So many times. Yeah. But, but it's the idea of, you know, like, don't be so arrogant to think that, yeah, you know, you just, what you really need to do is just keep training and eventually yeah. – things are going to start to get better so much of blue belt is just realizing okay cool like yeah. i'm just not i'm gonna hold this person here and i'm not gonna let them hurt me because <laughs> like i got hurt for so long as a white belt now i know at least i can hold this guy still and he's not gonna hurt me anymore and i can be like sweet i won <laughs> you know but i think anyway. that is why i think that's why you have to like normally in a big gym you know like the small guys are usually like higher level than the big guys you know just because as a smaller guy you're going to end up in positions where because okay even though if you are the best one under 70 kilos in your gym but okay you're going to roll with the guy that weighs 100 kilos you know and he's going to put you in half guard in bottom half guard you know even though you normally just do burn bolos where if you're a big guy especially it's just like because yeah i'm like the obviously like i'm a professional athlete i'm the strongest you know, most conditioned guy at the gym, you know, and I'm the best at jiu-jitsu. So who's going who's gonna to put me in a bad spot? You know, you need to put yourself in a bad spot, you know, and try to, um, yeah, and really push yourself that way. Um, and, yeah, that's why I think, or, or girls too, you know, like I think that's why um, you have a lot of times you have like, uh, you know, always you have very successful girls, you know, from smaller countries. Like I know Fionn, for example, is the first one, in the UK to really like win important stuff, you know, or um, because yeah, if you're a girl, you're gonna get like put in every bad situation every day, pretty much. So, um, so yeah, still when then you go compete against, uh, yeah, you know, you know, um, it's worse for you when you're competing, uh, when you're in the gym, you know, fighting a big guy and he puts you in half guard, you're used to it. So then when you're fighting a girl in competition, like you're just like. What even is that, you know? I mean, like, like just for, for for example, there's this girl at, at my gym who's, like, uh, begun to make her name for herself at, like, the IBJJF and, like, a bunch of yeah. fight to wins. Her name's uh, Gabby Etzel. And she is, like, about 80 pounds, maybe. Like, and yeah. she's just she's just in college. If I don't – and I'm, like, a buck 70 right now, especially because I'm fat. If I don't roll with her like she's a full-grown man, I'm just going to get stomped. Like, I'm just – I'm yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah they, yeah. I had a to, to to piggyback on what you were saying, Frederick. I I I had I went I met Matt Sarah one time, which I trained with him up um up in, in Long Island when we went up there to Marcello school and we went around. My my head instructor was on the ultimate fighter with Matt when Matt Sarah was the coach. So they're pretty tight. So we got to train with his gym and and one of the things he said to that regard, and it was always a cool little analogy I always like to remember, is like you, you know, you have two people to start jujitsu. And one guy is, who knows, a world-class athlete. He has a huge athletic background. He's big. He's strong. He understands how to compete. And then you've got some other dude that's smaller, maybe never did athletics, but just wants to kind of get – takes this jiu-jitsu thing up because, you know, he wants to get a little more self-confidence or wants to get in shape or whatever he wants to do just off of a, off of a whim. So when both of these guys start, obviously – 
the guy who is the super athlete, bigger, stronger, faster competitor is going to smash this dude for a long time. But what's going to happen is that this guy is going to become complacent, not always, but he's going to become complacent with doing things the wrong way because they are effective. Whereupon this yeah. guy, all he has is technique. He has absolutely no other recourse to fall back on, but the idea of saying, I'm going to do whatever coach told me to do because that's the only barrens I have for survival at this point because that's yeah. the only thing I know. So as they continue to grow up until about purple balls when they kind of get even, but as they continue to grow, this guy's obviously going to grow at a faster trajectory while this guy is going to grow a little bit slower. But eventually they're going to get to a point where upon this dude – can no longer continue to do things incorrectly. The athlete can never can no longer continue to do things incorrectly because this guy's technique is starting to trump that. Whereupon now yeah. they hit a point where this guy has to realize, okay, cool shit. In order for me to be able to submit higher level guys, brown belt guys, purple belt guys, or even be able to even be able to implement my game plan, I have to say, okay, cool. I have to think and go back. And realize, okay, cool, I can't yeah. keep doing this shit wrong. I can't rely on my strengths. I have to rely on the technique in order to cross that bridge. And that's the yeah. growth for everybody, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think I had that especially a lot, like, in when I was still competing in Germany, you know, or in, like, Netherlands or whatever. Um, and like, like, not super small, but, like, you know, like, not elite guys, but for Europe, good guys, you know. And, yeah, with a lot of those guys, you know, especially in, like, the heavier weight classes, um, yeah, you know, it's just like once you, are, I always felt, once you take them out of the element and they're in a bad position, you know, they're just not used to being in a bad spot, you know, um, where, okay, if you're like, at, even, to be honest, even like at a really high level, you know, it's like sometimes like, okay, like, if I, like, for example, at that Polaris, I thought like, yeah, like Ross, like, think he weighed in maybe like 79 kilograms or something, like, but to smash him, like, when you have, yeah, like, when he's, like, in bottom side control, it's really, really difficult, you know, way more difficult than it would be against most 100 kilo guys, you know. Um, it's definitely, like, yeah, again, the really high level, obviously, it gets less, but especially when I was, like, a purple belt, I always felt that we're, like, the, where the big guys just, once they're out of the element, it just becomes like super easy and you're like okay you really never had somebody on your back right like because then it's like you know it's like that brown belt that has his own gym you know somewhere in whatever germany or england or whatever has his own gym never really trains with and never puts himself in a bad spot you know always just smashes his uh he's, he's like he's like the know? king of the, he's like the king of the castle exactly exactly and you're like and you're like man what a fucking tough fight like to sweep him, impossible. And then you're on his back, and you're like, Jesus, like feels like, feels like a white belt, you know? No, genuinely, like I had that, I had that a bunch of times where you're like, man, that guy is the strongest guy on earth, you know? Like he grabs your neck, and you're like, ah, oh, like, <laughs> like that, that's gonna be horrible. And then, but then you get like, you fight hard, you get a sweep, and then you're on the back, and you're like, oh, <laughs> what is that? Like the skill just literally drops from black belt to to blue belt, you know? Like like, it really happened to me a bunch of times. Gordon and uh, Gary Tunin talk about that. Oh, Tonin, I always say Tunin. Gary <laughs> Tonin always talk about that, about uh, one of their, their, their greatest training attributes 
is the fact that they train, they do bad positioning drills. They train from bad yeah. positionings all the time just because you have to be aware of that. Because when you're, like you said, when you're yeah. a top level competitor and you're training in the gym, like the, the amount of times you're going to have someone on your back or someone in a dominant position for you, it's not going to happen a whole lot. So until you're prepared to deal with that and understand what it means to have someone on your back and attacking you, you're going to, you yeah. go back to being a white belt in that position or yeah. blue belt in that position. Yeah. Like for me, I mean, there's not going to be one training session where nobody's going to take my back, you know, like, right. because I always, you know, like to put myself in bad spots. So I maybe, you know, I try something, you know, and I'm just like, okay, let's see, let's see what happens if I go that way. And then all of a sudden somebody's on my back and I'm like, oh, <laughs> didn't work out. And then, but then it's like, okay, great. Now I can work on my back escapes, you know, and like, I always figure new things out to escape, you know, or you know, even or even just like smaller things, you know, like maybe I try try a sweep and yeah, you know, it's just like, yeah, I end up like with somebody, you know, guillotining me or whatever, because, you know, I just like did it for the first time, but I never really care because then I'm like, okay, now that guy's a guillotine, great, uh, I can work on, because now I can figure out some tricks to defend guillotines, you know, um, yeah. I, I, my coach, Ed, uh, he has a, a term for it that I think he says it like he announces that that's what we're doing before sparring. He says, all right, guys, it's time for bad position parties. And it's like, it's like, we're all just going to get into bad positions and then start the role from there. And we got to work our way out or get submitted. And it's a very, it is an in invaluable way for, I think it's one of the easiest ways for like lower belts if they're on their own to get better. Like you just put two yeah. a white yeah. belt in a dominant position and then tell the the other white belt to get out of it. That is a way yeah. for iron to sharpen iron really easily. Yeah. I think also like what a lot of coaches do, at least in my gym, is just like when you pair people up, you're just gonna give that guy his worst nightmare round, you know, where you know, okay, that guy is his kryptonite. So you're just gonna keep on giving giving them that specific guy until they until they're good in that position, you know, or you see somebody losing, you know, in competition because I know he just can't, like, he has a good close guard against anyone, but there's just that one guy is so strong, he can't do anything against it with his close guard, so you just keep on pairing him up with that guy until he, until he figures it out, right? I think that's very important. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Let me, I, go ahead, Kev. Sorry. Uh, I, I just wanted to say, like, one of the last things I wanted to ask was uh, one thing that you've been sort of talking about this whole time and also in the interviews you did leading up to Polaris is that, you know, the jujitsu in the UK is very insular. Like you, you were talking about like, since I, when I realized it was all UK guys, like I know all of yeah. them, like everybody knows everybody. Yeah. What, like, could you talk more about what jujitsu is like currently in Europe? Um, I mean, to be honest, I can only really speak for the UK. Um, so not really about Europe because also in Germany, um, like yeah, I'm not yeah for the last two years I didn't really follow any other European jiu-jitsu. Actually, like in terms of Europe, like Poland I think is really really strong, a lot of a lot of good uh, gyms there. But there yeah, in the UK, um, yeah, especially in London, like um, like I mean, I mean to be to be fair, I wouldn't even say that most people, you know, like um, know each other because there's so much jiu-jitsu that still. Like there are a lot of people, a lot of high-level guys that I never, never met, you know, I never trained with or competed against. But especially the submission-only scene, you know, like 
the submission only scene is like really tight like like for example um they did like that they did like a quintet style tournament where they had like team north versus south and like me and ross you know like ross was doing the team and he put me on the team you know because we're friends you know so it's like yeah you tr like again with ross i trained a bunch of times uh with another guy silvio uh in the competition trained a bunch of times you know and then even the guys i never trained with i still like yeah i know i'm still friendly with all of them you know see them and because they're only like a couple of i mean there's there are a couple of shows but there are not that many jiu-jitsu competitors right so if you have like you know if you have like grapple fest you know and they have like 30 matches on their card they're just going to be the same guys over and over again right so you see each other at every event or something you know so um yeah especially the submission only scene is it's is really tight um yeah like the geese the geese scene i think it's yeah there's not not too much like um yeah training together i think i think that's uh but especially the submission only scene because because the gi level is like you know at our level like if you want to train gi you know like you have amazing gi training you have roger gracie academy amazing you know gi training checkmate i don't know uh victor steamer's gym you know in england a lot of places where if you train with gi like you have the level is so high you don't really need to you don't really need to train with anyone else but especially submission only I mean, yeah, because at my gym, I'm the only submission-only guy, right? At, um, yeah, you know, other gyms, you know, that guy is the only submission-only guy, you know, or, or he just doesn't have, yeah, you know, a big gym in general. So that where, especially, like, yeah, um, like, I'm, I probably, like, train maybe, like, once a week um, with other people, I would say, or maybe, like, three times a month um but yeah a lot of the other guys they are literally like training um from all all different gyms training together every every single day you know like there's always there's always one every day there's one open mat somewhere in london um at some gym uh where basically you're gonna have the toughest training in europe i think you know like some like i usually go on monday um to an open mat and then i mean literally you have like i think we had times where you would have uh yeah ross uh i know jackson sousa daniel strauss um silvio um a lot of really high level guys you know trained to like where you literally have like 10 really high level black belts together you know and then it's like it's the same training you would get anywhere else in the world really but yeah you can't do it at just one gym you know yeah, yeah we do we do pro training here in tampa and we've got a couple of adcc guys that are you know adcc vets that come in a couple of big submission only guys that come in and, yeah. and train and i i really think that one of the greatest attributes to pushing a high level athlete like yourself to that next level is to figure out whatever you need to do to actively search out high-level yeah. competitors to compete with and to, to train with every day to push you to that next level. I even I even went a step further because now I feel like, you know, with Jiu-Jitsu, I really feel like I don't need, like, I don't really need um, 
Yeah, you know, there's nobody really that can push me too much, you know, in jiu-jitsu, besides if I would go to, like, Atos or Henzo's or Marcelo's. But then I feel like, you know, I want to compete against Kane and Duarte. I want to compete against, uh, I don't know, Mateus Guinness. I want to compete against Gordon, you know. So I don't want to go train at those gyms, you know, because, yeah, you know, I want to compete and beat those guys and not, not train with them, you know. But obviously that are the guys that would, where you have like one round, you know, and you're going to be, you know, and it's going to be, yeah, that's going to push you, you know, um, where here, you know, even the high level guys, you know, it's not going to really like push me to that level. So what I did was, yeah, I just, instead of getting in jiu-jitsu, I basically just went to wrestlers, you know, and I went like, I went here in the UK, I trained with, um, with yeah, my wrestling instructor, uh, his name is uh, Lubomir Kumbarov, and he's four-time Bulgarian national uh, champion. Wow, that's a big deal. Bulgaria is Bulgar yeah. real wrestling. And he and he he was he was teaching uh, Roger. Um, he was teaching at his school for a long time, and like so, he has like jiu-jitsu experience as well for a long time. You know, if you actually if you're like on YouTube, his wrestling instructioners um, on uh, Warrior Collective or his DVDs, they're like honestly like legit you know like super high level so training with him where because i mean you know that the um polaris i posted for promo video where i tapped somebody just with a cradle you know where i just had him in a cradle and tapped him with it but that wrestler you know he can do that on me and he weighs 75 kilos he right. can literally like let's say i shoot on him and yeah i know he gets me in a cradle like he taps me just with pressure from that because he's like so ridiculously good, right? So like, or like also like his, like his, um, you know his his guillotines, you know, because his front headlock, you know, from wrestling is like ridiculous. And then him training uh, grappling for that long, he just figured things out, you know, like where he has like re made wrestling moves into submissions, you know, and he can tap me with all of those moves, you know, and I'm much bigger and I'm like an elite grappler, so it all works, right? So I went to train with him. And he just, you know, I, I, I spar with him for 30 minutes. Like, that's going to push me more than any jiu-jitsu guy, you know, because he's just going to put that relentless pace on me. Never going to let me rest a single second, you know. So that really helped. And then I went, like, uh, I had the chance to go to um, Belarus to train with, um, where I got private trained twice a day from uh, from my friend Javid, who is... Uh, who got third place at the Rio Olympics in 2016 in Greco-Roman at 85 kilograms. Uh, he's like he's from Dagestan. Uh, he like he's like mates with uh, Habib and like those guys, you know. So like, yeah, like 100 kilo, like um, absolute monster. And yeah, then I was training with that guy twice a day, and I mean that's just like the toughest, toughest training I've ever experienced, you know. And obviously. Okay, if I would pull guard, obviously, you know, I wouldn't get the same training. But right, I mean, just like the, but yeah, just you know, I never like I I feel like if I get if I get hold of somebody's leg in jujitsu, I'm not even you know I'm not even sweating you know to finish them, because literally like the first time I shot on that guy you know, like I shot that single leg and he sprawled on me, I felt like yeah like house collapsing on me right like, <laughs> like 
literally like nothing I've ever felt from any any jiu-jitsu guy or even like wrestlers, you know, because yeah, if you're like an Olympic like level athlete, you know, like it's a whole different level. So that's what I that's what I did and that's what I'm gonna continue doing is just to um yeah, you know, speak out that because after that week I, I don't think I've ever felt so tired in my life after then after six days of training twice a day with um with that guy, you know. So yeah, that's what my strategy basically is. Yeah, and there's even you know, even aside from the obvious you know, learning how to wrestle and, and, and learning how to experience yeah. what, because again, when you look, when you think about what you do, when you, the, the level of competition you compete at, you know, obviously there's a technical level yeah. of being able to, to perform, you know, complicated jujitsu techniques. But I think the reality of it is, is the athleticism is at the next level. The, 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 yeah. you know, the guys you train with, like, it's not like rolling with just some weekend warrior in the gym. It's, you know, you're rolling with legit world-class athletes that push the pace at that world-class level. And because you go out and you search out these world-class athletes and you play their game, you start to learn what it's like to really have to perform and really and, have to endure in that. And also, like, I'm, like, I feel ashamed to say I'm, like, a world-class Fighter, right, you know, like athlete. If I have those, you know, wrestlers, you know, right, like literally, like because I mean, like literally, you can't even compare the F, you know, like just like the abilities in grappling, you know, like just in right. grappling, you right. know, that those guys have, you know, like like the details, you know, or like the how well they move, you know, like even in jujitsu, like you don't even like you don't even have that, you know, because I mean, jujitsu, how long is it around for, you know, like let's say realistically mid 90s you know before like, it was valetudo you know so right well like the gracies like the gracies like to claim like 100 years so like let's just say 100 years wrestling we've been wrestling for thousands right yeah 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 that's true and 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 if you and if you train with somebody like with like a really high level wrestler you know um like i think i don't know gordon was saying that uh steve moko uh, his wrestling coach was like he wouldn't even, yeah, he just wipes the flow with him, you know, because that is just like literally like that the elite level of wrestling, you know, I mean, and that's even like, okay, I don't even want to know how it feels like if you would um, have to f uh, wrestle like, I don't know, Sajulayev or something, you know, or Kyle Snyder. Um, yeah, just that elite level. So just the experience of, you know, the way they train, you know, because, um, like I had like um, another guy training me there who is a two-time world champion, you know, but he couldn't he couldn't spar with me or uh, drill with me because he had a shoulder injury. So I literally I had like a two-time world champion from Dagestan and an Olympic bronze medalist just showing me the ways that they train, you know, the ways that they, um, yeah, you know, drill the way, you know, just everything. And then here in England, when I train with Lugo, he's just also on the whole, you know, he grew up uh, wrestling in, you know, Bulgaria in, like, the best um, wrestling schools, you know, and he's, like, high-level competition for that many years, so just, like, the tips on competing, you know, on preparation, um, just everything, you know, it's just, um, I don't think you could get that from many jiu-jitsu um, instructors or in general from, yeah, athletes, you know, because even if you, even if you, let's say you have, like, a 
some amazing instructor like Marcelo Garcia, you know. Even he's like saying that, ah, oh, yeah, you don't need to do weights, you don't have to do that, just do jiu-jitsu, you know. Like, well, okay, obviously it can work out, but that's not <laughs> how it goes, you know. You no. want to be a professional athlete, athlete, like, you have to, you should train like a professional athlete, you know. So, just I... seeing like how those guys train like with what, and yeah, like Nubo, he always, yeah, he gave me so many tips that like, because I always like, I always used to like, because I was used to finish matches every time so quickly, I was never used to go like long distance, you know, in a lot of matches, you know, now I had three 10 minute matches and just, you know, his tips on how to pace myself, you know, control my breathing, you know, and just all that stuff, like helped me so much, you know. I, I real quick i have a i have a buddy uh high level purple belt actually trained out of unity for a while jeff nelson and he used to be before he got into jiu-jitsu he was a d1 rugby player he was yeah. like he, he was gonna play in new zealand yeah. before he uh, tore his acl yeah. and so he is he has never stopped lifting weights so he's yeah, yeah, yeah. but um I, just like i think we got a we actually have to. We're we're running up on time here, Frederick. We're we're gonna have to have you back because this is a, an amazing amazing talk. But I just I, in closing, I wanted to say that your your story is it really hits a lot of the, the archetypal like martial arts uh, motifs, wherein like you started training with like a bunch of guys in in your your homeland, but wanted to grow, so you, you went on this journey that you're still on. And, and you traveled all around. You're looking to gain knowledge. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you very much for, for sharing that with us. And we can't wait yeah. to follow uh, where it goes. Yeah, also, also I want to say, because I yeah. never had somebody to show me any techniques, you know. Like, I mean, okay, some techniques, obviously, you know, but I never had, like, an instructor to just show me techniques. So, like, everything I learned was, like, for me watching YouTube or, you know, or you or playing UFC Undisputed Three? Or playing Undisputed Undisputed. <laughs> yeah, wait for wait for when I fight MMA, then you can see all the. All the is is that a, is that a jump that's happening? Uh, yeah, like um, I mean, that's also the reason why I train so much wrestling, just because I want to fight MMA in like yeah the next couple of years. So just trying to get the wrestling to the level that it has to be, yeah. All right. Well, that is definitely something we're going to have to talk about. And um, but if you wanted to, at this point, if you wanted to plug anything that our listeners should go follow or, or do anything, now would be the time. Uh, yeah. Okay. Just first of all, follow me on Instagram. It's uh, at Coronino. Um, C O R O N I H O. I think. Hopefully, hopefully that's correct. And <laughs> we'll, then, we'll have uh, it listed uh, down below. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And uh, because, yeah, that's, I mean, what jiu-jitsu is all about. Like, it's about of course, Instagram, yeah. exactly, right. <laughs> exactly, who <laughs> gives a shit about the jiu-jitsu, just like it follows on Instagram. <laughs> um, so, and then, um, otherwise, yeah, I just want to thank my gym, Carlson Gracie London, and my sponsor, Faisha Preta. And, yeah, that's about it. Thanks to all my training partners. Thanks for uh, to you guys for having me. And, yeah, hopefully, hopefully I'll be back uh, at some point. Yeah, you're great. It's a good interview, man. You're you're an awesome dude, man. You really have some very insightful tips thank and, you, and, and ideas second, on on jujitsu. Yes, <laughs> cool, awesome, brother. I mean, cool. hell yeah. I, I like I, I like to think that we're probably your favorite, though, right? Of course, of course. Yeah, we were definitely <laughs> oh, better than Roth, but 
don't, I don't want to make myself enemies in the jiu-jitsu community. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, like if you wanted to text me, you know, like right, right. <laughs> we, well, we, we, we all, we know it's no big deal. We don't. Well, this is this has been okay. This has been an, a a very lighthearted and fun and energetic episode of the jiu-jitsu times podcast uh i have been eek bin your host kevin bradley joined as always by my co-host kevin gallagher and freddie v because i'm not going to try again out of respect because i don't think i could do it uh, as good as i did it the first time but uh uh stay safe um and catch us next time there you go good night see you guys take it easy boom see you frederick